This podcast episode is sponsored by Open. Now, you all know I have become a habit tracking slut. I have posters all over my room. I have one called Operation Glow Up. I have one called the Self-Love Care slash Gratitude Tracker. I have a workout challenge going on with my sister. I mean, it literally looks like we are in a kindergarten classroom. And this has helped me so much with creating incredible habits. Now, Open has taken that exact idea of habit tracking and implemented it into their app, which is what their April challenge is all about. So all you have to do is pick a practice, whether that's yoga, breath work, meditation, a journaling practice, which they do have in there, and it counts towards that day of practice. And the app will actually show you your progress. It will show you how many days you've done, how many practices you've done, your best streak, So it will keep you accountable because you're seeing that progress through. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Open, definitely go check out my last few episodes in January where I had the co-founder Minaj on, as well as one of the co-founding teachers, Ali Maz. They are incredible people and the app is one of my favorite things. I use it every single day, especially to fall asleep. They have everything you can think of as it comes to mindfulness. So mindful movement, mindful breathing, mindful meditation, If you only have two minutes, they have an option for you. If you have 20 minutes, they have an option for you. If you have trouble sleeping, if you're dealing with grief, if you're dealing with anxiety, I mean, they have literally thought of every single option or emotion that you can think of and plugged it into this app. Now, if you're like Chelsea, it's mid-April, how could I join this challenge? Well, good news, you can double up on the practices. You could literally do five practices in one day and that would count as five times towards the challenge. So maybe you wake up and do a meditation, then you do a breath work, then you do a Pilates class in the afternoon, and then you do breath work before you go to sleep and then listen to a sleep meditation. Well, there you go. That's five practices. So it's not too late to join. I highly encourage you to join. I've been doing it. I, as usual, love Minaj's meditations. I've also been listening to some of the ones around grief and anxiety. I feel like I have some residual emotions from the months past that have been coming up. So listening to these meditations and breath work really, really helped me. So if you want to join the challenge, head to the link in my show notes and you can try it for 30 days free. Okay, that's a long time to try something. And I promise you, you're going to love it because there's options for everybody. Let me know what you think about it and join the April challenge with me and I will see you inside the app. Your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. So happy to be back on a weekly schedule. If you were tuning in in March, I did a thing called March Madness where I was dropping two episodes a week and that was a lot of work. I don't think I can do that again until I have more help and more resources because it's just such a quick turnaround to not only record but then promote it plan the next episode, make sure each episode is getting enough attention to promote. It's a lot of work. So shout out to anybody that currently does more than one episode a week. That's wild. And you must be an actual planning and recording genius because that was a lot of work. (laughs) So we're back to weekly episodes. We drop them every Friday. And if you're a listener of this podcast, 
you're probably in the huge majority that either runs their own business, wants to, or you think it's an attractive option lately. You know, as inflation spikes and people are asked to go back to the office, the employer benefits are also increasing and kind of becoming bizarre. Like I've heard of people now offering Pelotons or electric scooters instead of pay raises. And look, if you're getting paid well, maybe a Peloton would be a really cool offer. But if you're someone that's being enticed to go back to your office with an electric scooter instead of just a pay bump, you're probably like, what? (laughs) So maybe you've been sold the entrepreneurial dream and you're like, that actually sounds more attractive. I can work from anywhere, laptop lifestyle, no income capped, total freedom, make up your own schedule, do whatever you want, right? That's really what the entrepreneurial dream is sold to us as. And look, I believe in a lot of those sentiments, which is why I'm an entrepreneur myself. I love being able to not answer to anyone. I can take off whenever I want or whenever I need to. I can create my own schedule. And I know that I get to choose my own prices and my own clients. Those are all really attractive reasons why I became an entrepreneur. But what you barely see or hear about is honestly how fucking hard this whole journey is. It's depressing, it's defeating, it's lonely, it's isolating, it's so doubt-inducing, and so many other things I can't even think of. Those are just a few of the things off the top of my head. You fail over and over and over again. And just when you think you're done failing and you're like, I literally don't think I could fail anymore, you're going to fail 10 more times. And you have to just get back up each time and continue moving forward. You'll probably spend money on things you don't need. You probably won't know how to use a lot of the things you spend money on. It'll feel like a waste of time and money. You'll probably spend thousands of dollars on coaches and mentors expecting life-changing results and be disappointed with the outcome. You'll likely get your hopes up for a big, big launch and then come out with absolutely nothing. It is 100% not for the faint of heart. You have to have a high failure tolerance, thick skin, confidence, and skill, in my opinion, to stay in the entrepreneurial game. I have failed so many times. I have honestly considered looking for a part-time job or even full-time work and making my current role a side gig due to some of the financial stress and roller coasters that come with this choice of being an entrepreneur. I've thought about giving up more than a handful of times. I truly have. I've 100% doubted myself and I've thought maybe I will just try to get back into a tech job that pays me really well. I am really good at it. I could just call this whole thing off, say I gave it a shot. You know, it was fun while I tried it. That thought has crossed my mind well more than once, but I haven't yet. And I think that's because I keep trusting my vision and choices, even if they end up turning out not exactly the way I want them to be. So today, that's what I'm going to share about. I'm going to talk to you about some of my biggest business failures and mistakes and what I've learned from them. I think this will massively help you. I went into the arena pretty blindly, like just had a vision and idea, was super excited. And I wish I had known some of these things sooner, which definitely would have saved me a shit ton of time and money. So if you've been investing in every mentor, every course, every program under the sun, but you aren't making progress and you feel absolutely hopeless or you just need some clarity, then this episode is for you. Why don't we start by time traveling back a little bit into my plunge into the coaching world? 
I think this will really set the scene and context for how I ended up making a lot of these mistakes and how I learned from them. So it all began in 2020, summer of the pandemic. I was nannying in Australia. I had nothing else to do. That was literally all I could do because flights home were $10,000. Did not have $10,000 laying around to just fly home. And that was the time where I was like, I really think this uh, this whole business idea I've had could be a thing. I ended up quitting my job and moving to Australia to eventually work for myself because I had absolutely zero business background or experience in terms of running my own business. When I got to Australia, nothing really happened until the pandemic. So here I am, summer of 2020, have this idea, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to be a mindset manifestation coach. It felt so perfect, so aligned, exactly what I wanted to do. I felt goosebumps. I felt everything that you want to feel when you are starting a new adventure. So I dove headfirst into this, learning and investing in every possible course I could with every last dollar that I had. I want to remind you guys I was nannying and it wasn't for money. It was for accommodation. So I was not getting paid to nanny. I was just being able to live in their house rent free. That means my living costs were essentially zero. They did help us with groceries and any money I had left over from my other jobs, that's what was going towards groceries. I had such a low risk tolerance. I think that's what it is, right? Low risk tolerance. Like I didn't care about taking risks. So I used my tax refund. I used my stimulus check. I used the money that Australia, basically you have kind of a 401k. It's not called that. It's called the super. They gave us the freedom to take our money out and use it because of the pandemic. I used that money and I invested that all into my mindset manifestation coaching business. I hired a photographer. I hired a graphic designer. I hired a website designer. I took photos. Like I did everything. I invested in so many courses, so many mentorships, and it ended up turning out to be a pretty good first, I would say three months of my business. I had a really successful course launch and I immediately signed two high ticket clients who both paid me in full. So my like foray, my path into this was like, oh, this is going to work out. Like, I don't know why people say entrepreneurship is so hard. It's been so easy for me. Like my first course sold 20 spots. My second, my second offer was these high ticket clients and they both paid me in full and pretty quickly. I don't know why people say this is such a hard journey. Well, fast forward to late 2020. We're now in the winter of 2020. I had a total nervous system shutdown. I was completely over investing in too many things because I just had this imposter syndrome flare up. And I was like, oh my gosh, Chelsea, you don't know how to graphic design. You don't know how to write copy. You don't know how to coach properly. You don't know how to weave in spirituality into your work. So I'm not kidding. I can remember five courses off the top of my head that I was in. I was in a spiritual development course. I was in a kind of like thought work membership that used really evidence-based tools to work on your thoughts. I was in like a witchcraft membership, learning how to create rituals and work with energy and, you know, cast spells with your words and with imagery, like so many different things. I was in a, like, I think a money membership or a money course. And then I was doing all these one-off calls with people, like a one-off call for a birth chart reading, a one-off call for a tarot card reading, a one-off call for a 
copy intensive and it was absolute overload. I ended up taking a break after that from pretty much running anything in my business because I was so overwhelmed. Now, I want to add here, it's a luxury to be able to take a break. I fortunately, because how well my course launch did and because of those high ticket clients and the fact that my living costs at this point, I was living in Germany with my ex, they were so low that I could take a break. My rent was literally like $300 and I split groceries with my ex and we weren't going out or doing anything because we were in a lockdown. So my like monthly expenses were less than $1,000. So again, if you do the math of two high ticket clients that paid me, I think it was $3,000 plus my course launches. And I was doing, I think some masterclasses here and there. I was able to sustain myself just enough to be able to take that break. So I just want to add that in there. Now, early 2021 rolls around. And I'm like, okay, I need to get back into this. I'm not giving up. I'm not getting a full-time job. I'm not going back to corporate anything. I need to get my head back in the game. And I need a one-on-one coach to help me. I knew after taking all these courses and programs that I needed that one-on-one support, someone looking at my work, my energy, my mental health, like being able to really understand me and my business. So I hired my coach and I got to work. I was like, okay, we're going to get back into the game. And I had um, a few, I would say, I don't even like to say failed launches because it sounds like, I don't know, the word failed just sounds like a negative connotation. I just had launches that didn't go as planned. Like in my mind, having five people sign up at that point for a program would have been great. And there were probably two or three programs where only one to three people signed up. So again, it just did not go as planned. And this is, by the way, when you're promoting something or doing a launch, it's a lot of work. I used to think it's just like, oh, you have an idea. You talk about it a little bit on social media. You have, you know, somewhere that people can pay for it and that's it. And you know what? Maybe someone has made it that easy. For me, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make all these graphics. I need to go live on Instagram. I have to talk about it on my podcast. I need to talk about it daily on my stories. I need to talk about it in my emails. And every time I launched something new, I had to go through that process all over again. So imagine doing that process every time for these launches that are turning out to be between like one and three people enrolling. And then quickly just trying to launch something else. I never gave myself a break to do like a postmortem, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically looking at what went wrong and what you could improve upon. I never did that. I intuitively knew, you know, I was like, oh, okay, next time I need to give myself more time. Next time I probably should be more clear about the dates, whatever the case was, but I never actually did a full deep dive into what was working and what wasn't. So eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going to work on -on one-on-one again because that was what brought me the most income at that point. And I needed to obviously support myself. Full transparency at this point, like early 2021, maybe Q1, which is January through March, I was having my boyfriend help me out with bills because I was like, you know, these masterclasses that are a hundred dollars and only two people are signing up, obviously do the math. $200 is not enough to keep me afloat throughout the whole year or the whole month. Sorry. And at this point I had signed those high ticket one-on-one clients months before. So either their payment plans were running out or I had already spent that money on software or a VA or freelancers. So essentially I was just running out of money. And I'm like, I need to focus on enrolling high ticket clients. So I was on my friend Kenzie Burke's podcast and that podcast resonated with so many people 
to this day, I think that's the most DMs I've ever gotten. And it helped me book out my one-on-one client roster because it came out right when I was enrolling. So I booked out my client roster for one-on-ones in like two weeks, which by the way, before, remember I told you I had signed two people and I was like, okay, this is kind of a lot. When I did it this time, I think I signed 10 people. And then over the next four months, I signed three more people. So at one point, I think I had 13 private clients. That's a lot of people to hold energy and space for. And to be quite honest, I probably bit off more than I could chew. I remember thinking, this is not that hard to manage because you're only having calls with them on certain times or days of the week. And you're not, um, you're not having to create like course content or course teachings. Like each one of these people is so individual that for me, I actually found that easier at that point in time than running a course or group program and constantly creating modules and schedules and teachings. I was just like, I'm working one-on-one with this person. So at that time I was thinking it would be easier, but what I didn't really foresee was the energy and the space that you're holding after the call. It's not just the call. It's, oh my gosh, like when I first wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about this person. I'm thinking about their business or their issue that they came to me with or their mindset or their problem. Now we're in Voxer. Now I'm thinking of resources I can help them with. Now I want to make sure they book their next call and we can regroup. It's constantly spinning your wheels of how you can help that person get from A to B. So the mental capacity was a lot. 100% admit having 13 private clients to me was overload on my mental capacity. So now it's mid 2021 and I'm experimenting with different ideas and concepts. I am super into spirituality at this point. I loved talking about love because I was in love with my ex. I loved talking about podcasting mindset. Like I just had so many interests. And so I kind of did that thing again that I did in the beginning of the year where I launched a ton of different programs with really minimal planning or help. I was just like, I have this good idea. I know it's a good idea. I'm not going to be shy here. I know I have good ideas. I'm very creative. I honestly think if like I could ever retire from what I'm doing now or podcasting, I would be like a creative idea generator. Like you have an idea for your business, but you need more creative ideas. Come to me. You have ideas for an offer, but you want to make it more creative. Come to me. Like that is something I feel very confident in and I have really good ideas but the execution piece and bringing that to life is where I struggled. So when I'm talking about launching a program around spirituality, I was like, well, I know what the idea is. I can see the vision. I can see how people are going to transform when they work inside this program, but I couldn't articulate it well enough, or I couldn't, I I didn't allow enough time for the idea to land. I had no skills in like copywriting or launch strategy or anything. So honestly, they, the launches were just messy. Then I realized how quickly I needed help with everything like that. I was like, this is unsustainable. I cannot keep doing this thing where I don't know how to execute and pretend that it's somehow just going to click one day. By this time I had my one-on-one coach and she had definitely taught me a lot, but I was so rebellious. Sometimes I would be like, Oh, that's great. Thanks for that advice. But I'm going to do my own thing. I'm an Aquarius. Aquarius are like the rebels of the Zodiac. And I'm like, I'm doing my own thing. Bye. And so even with her own help, paying a private coach thousands of dollars, I was still doing my own thing, not really seeing the results that I wanted to because I thought that my good ideas were enough. 
I then realized I need to hire a specialist and someone that can help me on the back end with things. Someone that is trained in a specific skill. So this is when I hired my VA, Jophie, and she specializes in systems and automation. That is 100% my weak spot. I'm getting better at it, but it's my weak spot. So for the rest of 2021, I kept experimenting all year while managing these 10 plus mindset coaching clients. And at this time, I had also brought on podcast coaching clients and I was developing mic drop. So a lot was going on for middle to end of 2021. And then in late 2021, I really burned out from these launches. I was running the podcast weekly, which if you run a podcast, you know, it's not It's easy to like plug in and record. It's not easy to then write up show notes, plan for it, upload it, promote it, distribute it. It's a lot of work. So doing that in and of itself is like a full-time job. Then I was planning mic drop, which I really wanted to be this like alpha omega program around podcasting and other courses on top of my one-on-one podcast clients and mindset coaching clients. And so I just felt really burnt out because I was personally not organized and I had no clear priorities. It was just kind of like, I want to do this this month. So let's see how it goes. Wait, never mind. I want to change my mind. And I think I'm going to do this thing instead. No, wait, the other idea was cool. So by the end of 2021, I was like, you know what? I need to find specialists. I need to create systems. I need to find a community that is full of smart people that can help me. And by the end of 2021, I had joined a few incredible communities that helped me immensely. And one of them is Holisticism. I've shouted them out before. I also loved Tori Washington's House of Wealth Embodiment membership. And I learned so much from both of those. I'm still inside Holisticism and I've learned so much. It's unbelievable. So now the new year passes, fresh slate. We're starting brand new, early 2022. I'm like, I am really going to go all in with my personal podcast and just all things podcasting. So if you're wondering, wait a second, Chelsea, you're telling me you started out with one-on-one mindset coaching. You made a great amount of money for it. It sustained you for a whole year. You booked out your enrollment just from one podcast appearance, maybe two. You're probably wondering like, why did I let that go? Like what happened? So I'm going to talk about that a little bit right now. And I'm also going to tell you after two years of throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks and going through a boatload of money and time and unwatched courses, here is what I've learned. The first thing is systems and structure will absolutely save your life. I've talked about this a lot recently, but I was strongly against system and structures because when my biz started, I was like, I just need a rough outline of what's going on. I don't need to know every little detail. Like I trust myself to see this vision through planning things with a content calendar and softwares and project management, that stuff like for me was a no. So just honestly, until a few months ago, I did most things on a notebook or sticky notes or a to-do list or a digital document or Google tasks. I had this misconception that structure blocked creative flow. So I never wanted to invest in it. For example, I feel like when I hear the word structure, I immediately think of the tech bros, the Gary V's, these like coaches that produce 4,000 pieces of content a day. They have YouTubes, they go live every day. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not me. I don't want to have structure because that doesn't align with my creativity or flow. Again, that was a misconception. 
I've now learned how imperative it is to run a sustainable business with systems and structures. So here's an example of a system that has been set up in my business that has saved us so much time. My podcast application. So before system and structure, here's how it would go. Someone would DM me, hey, I want to work with you. Your podcast coaching sounds like just what I need. Great. When can you start? What are you thinking? You know, how many months do you want to do it? This is all like manually over DMs or emails. Now they're ready to book. They would literally PayPal me or Venmo me. And if they were on a payment plan, I would have to track this in my email or a spreadsheet somewhere and try to just make up dates and payment plans that worked for them. Then when we go to book our first call, I have to send them a Calendly link. They book the first call. And then I create a recap for them after the first call. And then I manually have to send them another Calendly link for the second call. So you can see already how this is such a huge time suck and very unorganized. And especially at some point when you do get a lot of leads, hello, like doing all this through the DMs and manually sending links to PayPal's and Calendly's is not manageable. So where my VA came in, who, by the way, I'm 100% hiring her full time whenever I had the money, she was like, you can create automation and workflow for this. Like this could be a lot easier. We invested in Dubsado, which is basically an invoicing client management software and created a whole podcast application workflow. So now if you ever work with me right now, if you go to my website and hit one-on-one podcast coaching and apply, that is an example of a system and structure that we've set up. You hit apply. I get an email that you've applied. I read through that application. If I think we're a good fit, all I have to do is go into Dubsado, click a button, you get a link to book a call. Then after we book a call, I get a reminder to send you a proposal or a package. Then it sends you the proposal or package to accept. You sign a contract. I get it. I sign it. I return it back to you. And then the Dubsado program will even send you a link for your first call and a reminder. And once you set up payments, it will send automated payment, automated payment reminders. Isn't that great? (laughs) It's like a robot doing all the work for you. That's literally what automation is. So now I have way more time to podcast, to write, to coach, to plan big picture and actually create right? This is what was missing last year. I had no planning time. I had no time to actually think about each specific module or class. What was the takeaway? What was the actual sales page going to look like? Now I have time to do that because I'm not spending hours on end manually trying to enroll someone in my one-on-one coaching. So can you see how, if you start to set up systems and structures in your business, how much time it would save you? This is why I'm now working on this. It's a huge, huge investment I'm making into systems and structures. A lot of time, a lot of softwares are going into this, but I know it's going to pay off in the long run because now I'm freeing up my time to be able to create more and actually help clients in the way that I know I can do best. Major learning lesson. The second thing is you need help and you likely cannot do it all alone. Unless you are an actual trained expert and genius in the field of marketing, sales, content creation, accounting, brand strategy, graphic design, SEO, copywriting, email marketing, podcasting, coaching, you know, you're going to need help. And it's okay to have multiple freelancers to fill your gaps, even if they are things that you can do yourself. For example, I know how to do everything for my podcast. 
I know how to record. I know how to edit. I know how to upload it. I know how to create graphics. I know how to promote it. However, that could literally take me six hours a week, which is pretty much a whole business day. That's time I could be taking to focus on money-making actions like pitching sponsors, pitching guest appearances, selling, serving clients to be able to retain them. So it's actually losing me money to work on the podcast from start to finish and create every single graphic, schedule every single email, you know, do all the steps needed to upload a podcast. That's something I don't need to be doing. So I hired people to help me. Now, I know it's also a luxury to be able to hire someone, but it doesn't have to be. You can start small. This is one of the biggest things I think people don't realize is they hear hire and they think, oh, full-time employee on payroll. I'm not even fucking close to that. How could I hire someone? You can hire virtual assistants hourly for like a five-hour package a month at $20 to $25 an hour. So that's $100 a month. I can almost guarantee that you spend $100 at Sephora, on Amazon, on drinks out with your friends, on a new pair of shoes, on the newest skincare. So this is about reprioritizing. I remember being like, oh my gosh, like I don't have a hundred or two hundred dollars to hire a VA, but all of a sudden I was going to the bar spending $75 on drinks. Well, that's money I could be hiring someone that would actually help me way more in my business. And so that's what I started prioritizing. Now let's say you literally don't have a hundred extra dollars and you're like, Chelsea, I'm barely breaking even. I'm living off of whatever funds I have. You could do trades or exchanges. So let's say you have a specific skill set and then there's a gap you're trying to fill and someone is missing that skill set. You could do a trade. So let's say you want to build a website and you know how to teach people how to start a podcast. Maybe you do a trade where you say, I'll help you set up and launch your podcast if you help me build my website. There you go. Now you're using your time and skill instead of actual dollars that could work out for you. You could also just set aside a certain amount of money each month, literally budget for it and say, okay, you know what? Instead of spending $20 on whatever the movies, I'm going to put $20 away each month so that by summer I have enough money to hire a virtual assistant and they can help me with all the stuff that I'm not great at. Now here's how you decide what they're going to help you with. I think you decide what you're bad at and hate doing and delegate that first because that's something that will always feel hard for you and that's what's going to slow you down. There's this whole kind of, I want to say chart that helps you understand your priorities of like what you're good at and love doing, what you're good at and hate doing, what you're bad at but like doing and what you're bad at and hate doing. I know that's kind of a tongue twister. So the way I like to think of it is, well, what am I bad at and what do I hate doing? Because how is that helping my business at all if I don't know how to do it and I suck at it? That's what I need to outsource. So something that you're super slow at that isn't moving the needle is probably where you want to start hiring for. Again, for me, that was the system stuff. My brain does not operate in workflow mode or automations. My VAs does. Her application and website is literally like, I love setting up systems and structures. I'm obsessed with it. And I'm like, well, great. I'm not. So you're going to fill that gap for me. And that's how I've been able to really, really understand how important systems are and free up a lot of my time. The third thing is simplify, simplify, simplify offers, your course content, your podcast schedule, 
anything you can simplify it. If there's anything that you or I could learn from my 2021, launching everything under the sun is not only really hard, it can be confusing if your marketing isn't clear. People really expect, you know, effort and intent and experiential offers, not courses with a hundred videos to watch. That's nervous system overload. People were not meant, especially after the pandemic and working from home and having all these new responsibilities. No one is, okay, I won't say no one, 99% of people aren't necessarily in the space to sit down and watch a 90 minute pre-recorded video with a five page workbook and repeat that for however many weeks that your course program is. That is complete mental and nervous system overload. My best course right now is Mic Drop because the videos are so short, which means the completion rate of my course is higher, meaning more people launch podcasts, which is the goal, because they can actually get through it. If I were to fire hose people with information and content, being like, you know, each week you're going to watch a two-hour module, no, that doesn't work. Fire hosing people with content like that, it causes incompletion, it's overload, and honestly, it's confusing to the client because they're like, wait, I'm supposed to actually carve out two hours a week to watch this video and then another hour to do the workbook and then 30 minutes to engage with the Slack community. Like that's a part-time job. Your course should not be a part-time job for your client if you want them to complete it and actually see a result. So what I would recommend here with simplifying is not only trying to make things shorter, but making things more specific. For example, Instead of like astrology 101 course, that could be literally anything. You could talk about the house systems. You could talk about each sign. You could talk about the big three. You could talk about birth charts, north node, south node. That is, you're trying to teach someone an entire system of something. That's like saying, I'm going to do a, a biochemistry course in six weeks, right? Like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> So instead of an astrology 101 course, maybe you do something like astrology 101, understanding the whole sign house system. And now people know that this is a specific program for understanding the house systems. Because, you know, you always hear people say, oh my God, my, the blah, blah, blah is in my sixth house. But people don't know what that means. This course would be so specific to people that want to understand the house system. And then your job marketing it is why is it important to know that and how is understanding this going to help you? That's much more helpful. You're probably going to have higher completion rates because people know what they're getting into. And it's going to be easier for you because you don't have to teach them everything under the sun about astrology. You're teaching them about the whole sign house system. You could get even more specific, like how to understand your big three and use it to build your branding. Wow. That's fucking specific and something I would 100% sign up for because now I understand we're only talking about three signs. Okay. So think about mental capacity. I don't have to think about 12 signs, 12 houses, North node, South node, mid heaven, whatever, right? I'm understanding. Okay. I'm talking about my big three and I'm talking about how to use it in my branding. That's fucking cool. And that sounds some, like something I want to learn. The rates for completing that are probably going to be really high. So this is something if I were to talk to like 2020 Chelsea and even 2021 Chelsea, I would have told myself to simplify and get more specific. Number four is delegating or automation. We've definitely talked about this because it's similar to number two, but automation will also save your life because here's the thing. 
if you pay someone hourly and all they're doing is little tasks all day, they're not actually able to work on the bigger picture or what you wanted them to work on. And then what's going to happen is you'll have to shell out more money to have them be able to actually get to the task that you wanted to. For example, right now, my VA and I are working on automating the podcast process, meaning as soon as I reach out to a guest and they book with me, trying to automate this whole thing where it sends them a form to fill out. It sends me a form to review. It puts it into Google folders so my other VA can create graphics. It, it's this whole system that it alerts everyone that works on my podcast so that we're all on the same page and we don't have to do as much manual labor. So imagine when that gets automated, all I'm going to have to do is show up to the recording. That's crazy. Remember, I just told you all the things that have to go into a podcast. The fact that I could automate it and just show up to recording is massive. Not only that, but my team is going to be able to do minimal amount of work because we're not going to have to do all this back and forth in email, tagging them in Google Docs and Slack, like so piecemeal all over the place. There's going to be so much minimal work to get an episode live, which means now when I'm paying them, they're doing their tasks that actually they're good at instead of doing all these little things, right? It means everyone's doing less work and getting more done and enjoying what they do, not all these menial tasks that are super draining. And honestly, this is why a lot of freelancers often leave projects to work with someone else because they hate what they're doing. They're like, wait, I was brought on to be a virtual assistant to help you set up systems, but now all I'm doing is like sending client gifts or hyperlinking your emails or, you know, spacing out your emails. Like I am more of a systems person. I don't understand how I'm doing this. And that's because again, the automation and systems aren't there. So delegate, automate, and systematize. The fifth one is time management. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Double click on this highlight, underline, put it on your vision board time management and monotasking. Okay. Monotasking right now is like my word of the year versus task switching. Task switching, we're going to talk about in a second, is what I did pretty much up until last month. So this is honestly like the biggest lesson of my life right now. My last two years were basically, they look like this. Respond to every email as soon as it comes in, literally within the hour, work on five different projects within two hours. So work on the current launch plan, work on my podcast, work on current ideas or future ideas, work on getting back to clients. Okay. So these were all like five different things in two hours, responding to Voxer all the time, anytime, whenever, Slacks, voice notes, everything. I mean, literally all this. And then again, I have a weekly podcast. So now add recording a weekly podcast at the last minute with minimal planning. That's essentially how the last two years went. Okay. Not only is that horrible planning for your business, it is horrible for your brain and it actually makes you less productive. There's this idea that if you're doing all these little things and you finish them, you're more productive, but it's false. It feels like you're getting more done, right? You're like, I'm working on six different things. So that, that statistically means I'm working on more things, which means I'm getting more done, but you're not. What's happening is you are putting your brain in such a distraction mode. You're not actually giving deep work and deep thought to one thing, which would make you way more productive. I'm going to reference an article really quick. It's from this website called Nest Labs, and it's called Mindful Context Switching. 
So essentially, context switching, this is directly from the article, refers to the process of storing for the current state of one task so that the task can be paused and another task can be resumed. It's basically what allows computers to multitask. So the same way context switching comes with the cost and performance for computers, multitasking has its cost for humans too. Research shows that constantly switching context between different tasks has a terrible effect on attention. We're basically less focused and less performant when trying to do several things at the same time. Still reading the article, Edward Hallowell describes multitasking as a mythical activity in which people believe they can perform two or more tasks simultaneously effectively as one. So we now understand multitask is actually not even a real human thing. A fun fact also from this article, it was invented by IBM in 1965 to describe computer capability. It was only later that we started using it for humans. That's crazy, right? Like the word multitask was developed for computers, not humans. So when you're in your business and you're like, okay, I have to answer emails. I have to create graphics for my upcoming program. I have to record a podcast. I have to get back to my clients on Voxer. I have to read an article that I want to reference and I have to edit my sales page. That's five different tasks. So instead of trying to do all five things as fast as you can, try and implement deep work hours. There's actually a book called Deep Work, which I have not read and I want to, but I've learned a lot about deep work, which is basically blocking off a dedicated chunk of time and using that time to focus on one task. You also have to understand your own boundaries and responsiveness, right? So let's say for me, here's an example. I have a VA, I have a podcast editor, I have a podcast video editor, and I just hired another VA. So I have four people that I need to talk to and they need me. They can't just do everything by themselves. They need me to approve something, right? I need to approve the audio for the podcast. They need me to approve the graphics. So I can't just ignore them all week and then expect to have an episode go live on Friday. So in that case, what I need to decide is what is my response time? I've decided it's 24 hours because at the end of the day, what I like to do is check in with my team. This is new, by the way. <laughs> this is like brand new stuff that I'm learning and I feel really good about it because not only do I feel more like a CEO, I feel like my team and I are becoming not only more efficient, but better communicators because they know Chelsea's going to get back to me in 24 hours. They're not guessing and they're, they're not expecting me to answer within the hour. Actually, what this article says too is define your response time, design manable chunks of work, schedule that dedicated time into your calendar, communicate that clearly to your team and, and your clients, you know, everyone you work with, and then revisit that schedule regularly. Like, does that work? And do you need to update it weekly? So here's what I've done. Because I am someone that needs accountability now. I know that about myself. I work from home. I live at home. My dad works from home. There's a lot of dynamics that go on right now in the house, meaning it's really hard for me to just be like self-motivated to deep work. So what I've been doing is using this software called Focusmate. And I've been talking about it on my Instagram stories. They're not even a sponsor. I'm just obsessed with them where you book time with someone to co-work for 25 or 50 minute chunks. This is a game changer because now it's forcing me to tell the person on the other line, hey, I'm actually going to work on editing my podcast for the next 50 minutes. 
I'm not going to now edit my podcast, go create a graphic, go scroll Instagram, go write something. It's like, no, I just said I'm going to edit my podcast. So for the next 50 minutes, I'm going to edit my podcast. What I've been doing is actually booking back-to-back focus mates and trying to focus on one or two tasks in those back-to-back sessions. This has helped me tremendously not only get more done in a faster amount of time because I'm dedicating time to it, but it's also easier on my team because now I'm even booking focus mates to get back to them. I'm like, I'm using the next 50 minutes to get back to my VA about the graphics and my podcast editor about the audio. So boom, that's done. Again, before this, it was like, Just get back to them as fast as I can, as soon as I can, whenever I can. Hopefully they'll figure it out. Hopefully we can get this live by Friday. And if not, hopefully we can get it live by Friday night. That was like my system before. When I started really thinking about who I want to be in the next few years, this wasn't it. Being this like scatterbrained, unorganized, unclear communicator, living by the seat of my pants, living on impulse, doing things very chaotically. I'm like, that's not what I picture a very smart, sound, intelligent CEO or leader of a company to be. So I need to start implementing these things to be that person I want to be. And by the way, this took two years (laughs) and I'm still learning. I just told you guys, this whole focus main thing and the time management and deep work happened like three weeks ago. So if you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, I didn't realize this. I should have started sooner. No, don't beat yourself up. You can start now, right? You have the rest of your life to figure it out. Start now. So anyways, that helped me so much is moving away from con or excuse me, from task switching and thinking I can multitask to monotasking or doing mindful context switching. So if you're like, wait, what? There's a lot of words like task and mindful. Think of it this way. Context switching is the same thing as multitasking. You obviously have to multitask throughout the day, right? I mean, maybe you don't. I know a lot of people are in places where like, the whole day is dedicated to clients. The whole day is dedicated to podcasts. But even if a whole day is dedicated to podcasts, that doesn't mean I'm recording the podcast all day. It means I'm also drafting up a new episode. I'm recording, I'm editing, I'm writing show notes. So that in and of itself is a bunch of different tasks. So you do have to multitask, but it's developing these chunks of time that you're going to work on one thing. So I hope that's helpful. I will definitely plug that article in the show notes because it helped me so much. The sixth one is community is vital. Honestly, entrepreneurship is one of the loneliest journeys you can go on, especially if you do not live in a zip code or an environment where there's not a lot of entrepreneurs like myself right now. It is very hard to go to a cafe and try to co-work when there's no one there co-working. It's very hard to go out and try and talk about what you're working on or what's exciting coming up when none of your friends even know what you do or kind of don't care. It's really hard to talk about your next big vision and idea when people are like, I, again, I have other plans. Like, I just want to go to happy hour, but that's cool. Sounds cool. It sounds like what you're doing is a cool little project. It's really hard. So finding community, whether that's online or in person, is very important. Whether this is a co-working space, a membership, a mastermind, anything that you can do to be around other people is imperative. I honestly cannot imagine having no one to turn to during this time, especially as I live at home. And you have to remember, we're species that thrive on community. That's why we have emotions and feelings and consciousness. That's why we relate to other humans. That's why we're empathetic. That's why we have compassion. That's why we cry and laugh because of other humans. 
If that weren't the case, we would all, first of all, family units wouldn't be a thing. Communities wouldn't be a thing. And we would all just be like roaming the jungle by ourselves, sleeping alone, waking up alone, eating alone, entertaining ourselves alone. And maybe for a little while, that could be fun, right? I definitely have dreams sometimes where I'm like, I would love to do that for like a month, just be absolutely alone. But then it's funny because when I am alone, I'm like, oh, I wish there was someone here to share this with. I wish I wish I could like laugh with someone about this. I wish there was someone here to talk to and bounce this idea off of. And that's where community becomes so imperative. Now, if you don't have community and you can't find one, start one. A lot of people start really cool communities. It doesn't even have to be a paid thing. You could just say, hey, I'm making a Facebook group or a Zoom every month where we're going to meet and we're just going to talk about mental health. We're just going to dance. I just did this last night. I, I literally went to a class where we just did like a sexy dance choreography to Saweetie's Bad Bitch song with Doja Cat, right? Like that was a community. So you don't always have to think of community as being business focused either. You just need to be around other people so that you don't feel so alone. The next thing I learned, which I've hinted at, is you probably need a specialist or a strategist, not a coach at some point. I think one of the biggest things that would have saved me loads of time is hiring people for special projects and hyper-focus on one thing. This is a really big distinction I think you should know. Coaches tend to focus more on high-level general things and the emotional and mental support, which is obviously needed, but there's also a place for very specialized help. Going back to the whole podcast system thing, that's something that my business coach is not trained in. She is not trained in Dubsado and setting up workflows and funnels and understanding the customer journey from, you know, if they click this, then what happens after that? She's more there to help me understand launch strategy and the mental, the, you know, mental struggles that go into launching and how to help me understand how to plan my content for it without burning out and then supporting me through that launch, right? She's not there to actually build a funnel for me or build a workflow. That's something a strategist or a specialist should do. So again, if I went back to 2020, Chelsea, I actually think I would have hired more strategists than I would have coaches. The next one is you do not have to do it all and you do not have to be it all, period. You do not have to monetize all your passions. And in fact, it's probably hurting you to do that. Trying to appeal to every customer on the planet and create an offer for anybody that exists is impossible. Think about what you invest in right now. It's probably very clear, very simple, and serves a certain person or purpose. The best brands do this, right? I think of a brand that I actually love their branding. I haven't bought something from them yet, but I'm going to. Bala, you know those Bala weights? When they started out, all they offered were the free weights that went on your ankles or wrists. It wasn't until later where they developed more products like the bar and the block and the mat and everything. That was This is all brand new. So for years, they were just focused on ankle weights. So this goes back to my last point about simplifying. They're like, we're just going to do one thing and we're going to do it well and we're going to appeal to a very specific customer. They were going after millennials and people that were just over the ugly ass gym equipment that you see. And they're like, we want to make working out feel cute and luxurious and that you don't have to be embarrassed to bring, you know, your grandma's ankle weights to the gym or wherever you're going to work out. You could bring these on vacation. You could bring these out on the beach and work out. That was the goal of what Bala did was we're going to make this accessible like you can work out anywhere, but we're also going to make it cute so you don't feel embarrassed when you're wearing them. 
that's a very specific example where they're like, we are not going to be at all and we're not going to do it all. Now, who knows? Maybe eventually they'll turn into a company that offers athletic wear and supplements. But right now, they're just focused on fitness equipment and their hero product is those weights. I think that's an excellent example of simplifying and becoming so successful at one thing that you, we all could learn from, right? I, I could learn this right now. I could just focus on one thing. I still offer a lot of things under the umbrella of podcasting, but really narrowing down and lasering in on a focus is not a bad thing. So it's just something to think about, right? If you're the cheesecake factory of offers, we've all been to the cheesecake factory with 40,000 menu options. It can be really confusing. It can be really overwhelming right? Let's go back to the mental overload and nervous system overload thing. When people are given so many decisions, it usually turns into that analysis paralysis and they don't make a decision. So then it's hard to make a decision or really enroll any clients. And honestly, it's going to be challenging to manage. If you start out a business and you're like, I think I'm going to offer yoga, tarot card readings, prints, journals, a digital ebook, and um, I don't know, a, a PDF download. And you're like, that's what I'm going to start out with. First of all, that's a lot to manage. And then if you're going to promote and market each one, a fucking lot to manage as well. But then people can get confused because they're like, are you a tarot card reader or are you a yoga teacher or are you a digital product creator? Like what ways can I work with you? And like, how do I actually work with you? Like, do you have one-on-one? -on -one? Do you do a group program? Do you do them live? Like you have so many different products going on. And guys, I have been guilty of this up until I want to say two months ago where you went to my website and it was like, I'm 500 different things. I have six ways to work with me that are all under different umbrellas. And to be honest, I think that was confusing. And I think that's why a lot of times my launches were not that great because people were like, okay, so now she's into spirituality. I got it. Okay. She's going the spiritual route. We're going to do this. Wait a second. Now she's talking about interviewing for podcasts. Like what happened to the spirituality thing? Oh, now she's talking about meditation, right? That's just kind of confusing. Now here's the thing. I still have a billion passions but I've learned I don't need to monetize them all and I can do them at different times in different ways. That's actually why I love having this podcast because my podcast is not just about one thing. Two weeks ago, I talked about traveling to Europe for cheap and then I talked about Instagram. And then coming up, I wanna have so many different people on. I have a money mindset expert coming on. I have someone who's built her business off of social media. I'm gonna do another travel episode. So to me, I'm like, my podcast is where I get to really show all these different interests, but I don't need to now become a travel coach and a meditation teacher and a yoga instructor and a mindset coach. It's too much. And it's so hard to manage and market to that many people trying to please everybody. It's, it's really hard. <laughs> okay. So try to just simplify and remember, you do not have to be at all and do it all. The next one is over-investing in multiple things will likely lead to burnout. So I talked about how I was in all those courses. I think you need to learn how to prioritize whatever you invest in to make sure that it aligns with the season that you're in. For example, pick a goal, understand that season. So maybe you're like in a season of growth and what you need to invest in to get there. So let's say you're like, I'm in a season of growth and I need to learn about copywriting because I know that really good copy sells. So anything that comes up about copywriting, whether it's an intensive with a copywriter or a coach that has a new copywriting course coming up, 
that's where my funds are going to go because I know that's going to be a skill set that I need and will help me in the long run. So now you know if a course about tarot card reading or understanding your north node for manifestation comes along, ask yourself, is this really what's going to help me in this exact moment master a skill when I am trying to grow my business? Because I know once I learn copywriting, I'm not just going to be an expert genius at it. I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to have to practice. I need space to integrate it and then put it in my business, right? I need to actually now copyright well in my business. That's not just an overnight and magical thing that happens. And here's what I'm not saying is to not have fun and enjoy yourself. But I've made this mistake where thinking every extra dollar I had needed to go to learning a new skill. So that's why I ended up in courses about, again, like energy work, wealth embodiment, tarot, manifestation, business, copywriting. It's like that was too many things for my brain to try to learn and integrate. And then I ended up learning like none of it. A lot of that information ended up being so grayed out in my mind because I was trying to do it too much. I was trying to do too many things at once. So maybe if you absolutely are like, I love tarot because I want to learn the tarot and read for other people, then yeah, do a tarot course. But if you're like, I know I need to learn the art of sales and understanding how to sell so that I can actually make real money in my business before I start offering the tarot card readings, and you're at a place where the financials aren't there for you to do both, or you don't have the bandwidth to do both, put your money towards a thing that is going to be a skill that you can master and will help you. I think this is something I had to learn the hard way a lot of times. And there were courses that looked really amazing. And I had kind of this scarcity mindset of like, fuck it, I'm just going to take it and figure it out. I'll, I'll weave it into my schedule. And you've probably heard this story if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, but I ended up going to bed sometimes at like 3 or 4 a.m. because I was living in Germany. I ended up sometimes going to bed at like 3 or 4 in the morning because I was living in Germany and the time zone differences were insane. So my quote unquote passions of like, I have to learn about spiritual development was actually causing me not only stress for myself, but for my partner too. He's like, I hate when you come in bed at 3 a.m. and then you sleep in when I'm awake and I want to eat breakfast with you. And it caused a lot of dynamics that in my mind, I was like, oh, well, this is for my development and I, I need to learn about spirituality because it's going to be part of my business. But it actually was hurting me because I never made the space to integrate it because I had overinvested in too many things. So again, prioritize, see what needs to be in your business or what can help you make an income and invest in that. If you're in that season of growth, right? This could be totally different if you're not in that season, but that's an example. Okay. I actually have a few more, but I feel like I'm just going to end up doing a different podcast because I'm like, um, there's so many more things I can think about. So let's end with the last one that I think is really important is get a therapist or a coach who's trained in mindset coaching to hold you during moments of doubt. And you might actually need a therapist more than you need a coach. Unless again, it's a certified life coach that has a very special skill set with mindset coaching. And even, even more specifically, like their mindset coach that helps you with anxiety or their mindset coach that helps you with dating, right? Something very specific and make sure that they have that skill set. How do you know, right? You're like, wait, Chelsea, weren't you a mindset coach? Are you telling me to get a therapist? Honestly, yes. I told a lot of my clients to get therapists. I also had a business coach who served like kind of as a mindset coach and a therapist. I think it's amazing and you should have both. I won't tell you ever what to do, but I will tell you having a therapist to help me way more with the deeper emotions I had versus a coach was incredible for me. 
So yeah. Um, how do you know though? You're like, okay, what if I don't have money to have a coach and a therapist? Well, if something is debilitating and you need medication and you're having trouble getting through the day or completing a task, you might need a therapist for that. So if you're someone who wakes up with like debilitating anxiety and you can't even get on the bus to commute to work or you get to work and you're like, I have to go outside every 30 minutes because I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. That's probably when you should hire a therapist. So I think that's a really good way to understand how to know is like, is this debilitating? Can I get through the day or am I having trouble even like completing a task? That's where a therapist could come in and maybe even a psychiatrist. By the way, a therapist would recommend you to a psychiatrist. Psychiatrists are the ones that actually can prescribe you medication. Now, I actually have someone coming on who was a therapist turned mindset coach. And we're going to talk all about this because she's the one who taught me about this. She's the one who taught me how to understand when someone needs a therapist versus a mindset coach or when when to kind of step away as a mindset coach and recommend therapy to a client. So she is going to come on soon. Her name's Topsy Van Bosch. She is incredible. I was just on her podcast and I think it will help a lot of us understand if we need to hire therapists or mindset coaches. So there you have it. A lot of lessons learned, a lot of things I would have done differently. Like I said, there's still a few more. I'll I'll probably do a part two of this episode. And I want you to know if you were listening to any of these and you're like, oh my God, I do that right now. Don't beat yourself up. We're all works in progress. I can promise you if you're even in your first five years of business, you are still probably figuring it out. There are companies that are 20 years old that are still figuring it out, right? Because the landscape evolves and changes. Things are always updating. People are updating. Behaviors are changing. So no matter what, you're always going to be working on shifting and pivoting and moving forward. So I just don't want anybody to feel like, oh my God, wait, I don't do any of these things Chelsea said. I don't want this to turn into a comparison game of like, oh, I should have started sooner. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Why am I so behind? No, this is literally why I did this podcast so that you don't feel behind. I just told you half of these things I implemented in the the last few weeks and I've been in business for two years and I had high ticket paying clients and I'm still learning how to set up proper systems, okay? So I don't want anybody to beat themselves up. Don't feel like you're a bad business owner and entrepreneur. Most of us did not go to school to be entrepreneurs. Most of us did not go to business school. Most of us did not get proper trainings in our corporate jobs to be able to run a small, sustainable business. Okay. I want everybody to remember that. I want you to think of anything in your life that you've completed or accomplished. It probably took time. Your college degree probably took what? Two to four years. If you got a master's degree, another two to four years. And then in your corporate job, in your training, most trainings and corporate jobs, I mean, depending on what you're in, can be anywhere from three months to six months to a year. So I want you to apply that same thought model to your business. Why would you expect your business to be this well-oiled, perfectly money-making, client-serving, best business on the planet after being in business for six months, right? Even if with your college degree, it's not like you're the master of it after those four years. You still then go into corporate America and then pretty much learn for a very long time until you become a supervisor or a manager. So again, if you can apply that same that thought work to your business, maybe you'll be a little nicer to yourself. Maybe you won't beat yourself up so much and understand, yeah, 
holy shit, I'm only on like month six of my business. Why am I putting pressure on myself to be like a fortune 100 level brand when I didn't go to school for this? I wasn't trained in this. And it's almost mentally impossible to try to learn all these different skills at once. Give yourself grace, focus on what you can do, what you're good at, try and outsource or delegate or automate the rest and things will get better. The baby steps add up. Like I've always said, the baby steps are where the massive results happen. So don't underestimate putting a little bit of work in each day, prioritizing these projects just a little bit each day. And I can almost guarantee you in six months, you'll be like, I can't even believe what happened. I am such a different person. So I hope this helped you. And I just wanted to add kind of a final note and I guess more context on the one-on-one mindset coaching thing. As I said earlier, simplifying was really important to me. It's It was really difficult for me to try and manage podcast coaching and mindset coaching, not because of really the workload, but more of like the mental and emotional energy needed to support both of these types of clients because they're both very different. With podcasts, it's a lot of tactics and strategy of like, here's how to increase reviews. Here's how to boost SEO for your podcast, where mindset coaching for each client was very different. Someone was working on confidence. Someone was working on anxiety. Someone was working on putting themselves out there in their business. And again, times this by like 13 different clients, it was a bit overwhelming. And looking back, I would have taken on less people. But again, I didn't know. I thought I could do that. I thought I could manage that amount of people and you live and you learn. And that's why I currently, even though could be making a lot of money mindset coaching, had decided to really shut down that piece of my business because it's not going to serve my clients well and it's not going to serve me well to be offering a service where I don't have the mental or emotional capacity to keep running it. But that's why I have this podcast. I can still talk about mindset, teach you mindset tips and tricks and hacks and lessons and really honestly like take so many concepts from my courses and workshops and teach them to you and think about this for free. So if anything, you're getting now free content and I think you're going to get a better version of me when I simplify my business because again, it gives me more free time to create and be intuitive and think versus constantly trying to switch gears between mindset, podcast coaching and podcasting myself, right? I'm a podcast coach, but I also have a podcast myself and I like writing. So I'm writing things for fun. I like to write emails. I'm in the middle of writing something else as a project. So that's the thing. I I knew I could not be doing a hundred different things and I had to take a look at my business and mindset coaching was the thing that I felt like no longer was serving me. And I don't want to offer a service just to make money that to me is not integrous. So that is why I'm no longer currently offering one-on-one mindset coaching. Who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind next year. Maybe I will bring it back. Um, But as of this moment, April 2022, one-on-one mindset coaching is not part of my business model anymore. What is part of my business model is podcast strategy, podcast launching, podcast monetization. So if you want to launch a podcast, grow a podcast, or monetize it, that is what I'm focusing on this year. You're likely going to see new offers around podcast labs where we specialize on one specific topic like pitching or interviewing. You're going to see mic drop become a better version and you're going to have more templates in there, more resources. I'm recording new video tutorials and there's going to be one-on-one coaching as well. So whether you want to launch your podcast, grow it or monetize it, I'm here to help you as a private client too. So that's what you can expect from me for the rest of 2022. 
That is why I wanted to do this episode because I've learned so much in the last two years and I'm still learning. I am still very much a work in progress. Okay. I have not figured out anything. I'm not a super master at really anything. I don't think uh, except podcasting. So that's why I wanted to really focus on my zone of genius. I think I should do a podcast about your zone of genius too, but I think mindset coaching is a zone of excellence for me, but I think my zone of genius is podcasting and that's why I want to double down on it. So I hope this is clear. If there's any questions, I'm an open book. So let me know. You can DM me at Chelsea Rife on Instagram or email me info at ChelseaRife.com. I hope you found value out of this episode. And if you did, leaving a review would be so incredibly appreciated. Not only do they help me, but they help people find this podcast and hit play. So it helps people actually want to listen to this podcast. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening and get ready. We have some really fun guests coming on in April and I will see you next week.